Good morning, Sonship, and Merry Christmas, and welcome to A Course in Miracles Daily Reading Conference Call, where we read from the original edition of ACIM, which is published by Course in Miracles Society. So this morning, Reverend Regent has an announcement from JCIM to tell us uh, about the online edition. Reverend Regent? Oh, thanks, Chris. I, I had forgotten already that I had a little announcement. Um, just yeah. a real, real small one. Uh, on our daily lesson page, there is now a link to next year's guide, study guide. And if when you, you can download, it's a PDF, and so you can view it or download it. When you do, let me know if you see any uh, errors. It is a leap year, so we mark time on the 29th of February with the lesson. And uh, so it's a little bit different than last year. Let me know if you see any errors, but there it is for your, uh, for your viewing and downloading. Okay. Thank you, Chris. I'm complete. Thank you. And thank you for your thank service. You, very, very thank you, Thank you. Uh, let's see. We're going to be reading section in the manual for teachers. We'll be reading today 19 and 20, uh, paragraphs 1 through 6 in each section. Um, I have on the reading list at this time Lee, Reverend Regia, Fran, Ida, Brett, Josie, Paula, Carl. So has anyone joined the call that would like to get on the reading list or say hello? This is Wendy. I'll be here briefly, but uh, and I can't read, so thank you, and that's it. Glad you're here. Rob's here. Hi, Rob. Hi. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mary's here. Merry Christmas. Hi, Mary. There's lots of reading today, so I'm putting you on the list. Okay. We have two sections. All right, now we're going to do something um, really exciting. I'm going to turn the call over to Reverend Rita. However, I'm going to global mute us all so that no one can hear us. <laughs> all right? Give me one second. All right, Reverend Rita, take it away. Okay, thank you so much. We'll begin this time together this morning by closing our eyes and drawing that awareness within. And as we do, we feel the peace of God. We feel a quieting, a stillness. Our bodies are relaxing, our thoughts are relaxing as well. And we're opening to the peace that is always there. In our lesson today, Lesson 358, he tells us no call to God can be unheard nor left unanswered. And of this I can be sure. His answer is the one I really want. Unquote. So today, I call upon the voice which is the truth in me and in my Creator and in my brother. The Son, the Voice for God, and our Creator are all one, which is a dynamic very hard to grasp by my separated mind, and yet is very true. The Son, the Holy Spirit, and God, all one. Quote, the Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because... They are of one mind and one will. This single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Unquote. 
that from chapter 3, 19. So now, when I hear this course speak of the Son and the Holy Spirit and God, let me remember, they are all indeed one, as I have learned. Having the Holy Spirit in him, my brother is, quote, part of the Holy Spirit because his mind is partly yours and also partly God's. This needs clarification, not in statement, since we have said it before, but in experience. See him through the Holy Spirit in his mind, and you will recognize him in yours. What you acknowledge in your brother, you are acknowledging in yourself, and what you share, you strengthen. Unquote. That from chapter 534. And so we pray today. The prayer given us in our lesson today. Quote, You who remember what I am alone remembers what I really want. You speak for God and so you speak for me. And what you give me comes from God himself. Your voice, my Father, then is mine as well. And all I want is what you offer me in just the form you chose that it be mine. Let me remember all I do not know and let my voice be still remembering. But let me not forget your love and care, but keep your promise to your son in my awareness always. Let me not forget myself is nothing, but myself is all. And so it is. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Amen. Thank you. Well, that worked out pretty well. Thank you. Yeah. Just a little uh, console talk on the side. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) All right. Uh, let me go over the reading list one more time in case anyone's joined the call that would like to get on it because we're going to be reading two sections, everybody. So I have Lee, Reverend Regis, Fran, Ida, Rhett, Josie, Paula, Carl, Mary, Wendy and Robert listening. Does anyone else join the call that would like to say Merry Christmas or get on the reading list? Uh, this is Fritz. Um, Merry Christmas, but I'll be listening. Merry Christmas. Glad you're here, Fritz. This is Bernard. I'll be listening. Hey, Bernard. Merry Christmas. Hello. Hello. Merry Christmas. All right. What is justice? Justice is the divine correction for injustice. Justice is the basis for all judgments of the world. And justice corrects the interpretations to which injustice gives rise and cancels them out. Neither justice nor injustice exits in heaven, for error is impossible and correction meaningless. And in this world, however, forgiveness depends on justice, since all attack can only be unjust. Justice is the Holy Spirit's verdict upon the world. Except in his judgment, justice is impossible, for no one in the world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. If God's Son were fairly judged, there would be no need for salvation. 
and the thought of separation would have been forever inconceivable. Lee, one and two, please. Justice is the divine correction for injustice. Injustice is the basis for all the judgments of the world. Justice corrects the interpretations to which injustice gives rise and cancels them out. Neither justice nor injustice exists in heaven, for error is impossible and correction meaningless. In this world, however, forgiveness depends on justice, since all attack can only be unjust. Justice is the Holy Spirit's verdict upon the world. Except in his judgment, justice is impossible, for no one in the world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. If God's Son were fairly judged, there would be no need for salvation the thought of separation would have been forever inconceivable. Two, justice, like its opposite, is an interpretation. It is, however, the one interpretation that leads to truth. This becomes possible because, while it is not true in itself, justice includes nothing that opposes truth. There is no inherent conflict between justice and truth. One is but the first small step in the direction of the other. The path becomes quite different as one goes along. Nor could all the magnificence, the grandeur of the scene, and the enormous opening vistas that rise to meet one as he travels on be foretold from the outset. Yet even these, whose splendor reaches indescribable heights as one proceeds, fall short indeed of all that awaits one when the pathway ceases and time ends with it. But somewhere one must start. Justice is the beginning. Thank you, Lee. Reverend Rita, two and three, please. Thanks. Uh, Two, justice, like its opposite, is an interpretation. It is, however, the one interpretation that leads to truth. This becomes possible because, while it is not true in itself, justice includes nothing that opposes truth. There is no inherent conflict between justice and truth. One is but the first small step in the direction of the other. The path becomes quite different as one goes along, nor could all the magnificence, the grandeur of the scene, and the enormous opening vistas that rise to meet one as he travels on be foretold from the outset. Yet even these, whose splendor reaches indescribable heights as one proceeds, fall short indeed of all that awaits one when the pathway ceases and time ends with it. But somewhere, one must start. Justice is the beginning. Three, 
all concepts of your brothers and yourself, all fears of future states, and all concern about the past stem from injustice. Here is the lens which, held before the body's eyes, distorts perception and brings witness of the distorted world back to the mind that made the lens and holds it very dear. Selectively and arbitrarily is every concept of the world built up in just this way. Quote-unquote sins are perceived and justified by this careful selectivity in which all thought of wholeness must be lost. Forgiveness has no place in such a scheme for not one quote-unquote sin but seems forever true. Thank you, Reverend Rija. Fran, three and four, please. Three. All concepts of your brothers and yourself, all fears of future states, and all concern about the past stem from injustice. Here is the lens which, held before the body's eyes, distorts perception and brings witnesses of the distorted world back to the mind that made the lens and holds it very dear. Selectively and arbitrarily is every concept of the world built up in just this way. Quote, unquote, sins are perceived and justified by this careful selectivity in which all thought of wholeness must be lost. Forgiveness has no place in such a scheme, for not one quote-unquote sin but seems forever true. Four, salvation is God's justice. It restores to your awareness the wholeness of the fragments you perceive as broken off and separate. And it is this that overcomes the fear of death. For separate fragments must decay and die, but wholeness is immortal. It remains forever and forever like its creator, being one with him. God's judgment is his justice. Unto this, a judgment wholly lacking in condemnation, an evaluation based entirely on love, you have projected your injustice, attributing to God the lens of warped perception through which you look. Now it belongs to him and not to you. You are from him and do not see you hate and fear yourself, capital S, as enemy. Thank you, Fran. Um, Ida, four and five, please. Four. Salvation is God's justice. It restores to your awareness the wholeness of the fragments you perceive as broken up and separate. And it is this that overcomes the fear of death. For separate fragments must decay and die, but wholeness is immortal. It remains forever and forever like its creator, being one with him. God's judgment is his justice. Onto this, a judgment wholly lacking in condemnation, an evaluation based entirely on love, you have projected your injustice, attributing to God the lens of work, a warped. <laughs> Onto this, 
a judgment wholly lacking in condemnation, an evaluation based entirely on love, you have projected your injustice, attributing to God the lens of warped perception through which you look. Now it belongs to him and not to you. You are afraid of him and do not see you hate and fear yourself as enemy. Five, pray for God's justice and do not confuse his mercy with your own insanity. Perception can make whatever picture the mind desires to see. Remember this. In this lies either heaven or hell as you elect. God's justice points to heaven just because it is entirely impartial. It accepts all evidence that is brought before it, omitting nothing and assessing nothing as separate and apart from all the rest. From this one standpoint does it judge, and this alone. Here all attack and condemnation becomes meaningless and indefensible. Perception rests, the mind is still, and light returns again. Vision is now restored. What had been lost has now been found. The peace of God descends on all the world and we can see. And we can see. Thank you, Ida. Uh, Rhett, five, please. Okay, five. Pray for God's justice and do not confuse his mercy with your own insanity. Perception can make whatever picture the mind desires to see. Remember this. In this lies either heaven or hell as you elect. God's justice points to heaven just because it is entirely impartial. It accepts all evidence that is brought before it, omitting nothing and assessing nothing as separate and apart from all the rest. From this one standpoint does it judge, and this alone. Here all attack and condemnation becomes meaningless and indefensible. Perception rests, the mind is still, and light returns again. Vision is now restored. What had been lost has now been found. The peace of God descends on all the world, and we can see. And we can see. And we can see. Amen. Thank you, Rhett. The floor is open. Uh, this is Reverend Richard Joy, and I was reminded, oh, I did an article once on justice. I think it was the article, yeah, on, uh, you know, celebrating the death of uh, Saddam Hussein and, uh, you know, thinking that justice had been served. And, you know, I, in the article I quoted, and I looked it up, and I quoted uh, chapter 25, which is really beautiful. It's called, in section 10, The Justice of Heaven. And he tells us, he reminds me that um, no one deserves to lose. He says, um, the, the problem still remains unsolved, for only justice can... Uh, 
set up a state in which there is no loser, no one left unfairly treated and deprived, and thus with grounds of vengeance. Uh, <clears throat> and he says that, let's see, be certain any answer to a problem, uh, oh yeah, that the Holy Spirit solves will always be one in which no one loses. So it's, it's, that's one idea, because when we see our wholeness and see our oneness, there is no one to lose. Only when we see separation and specialness can someone lose. So it keeps coming back to that um, that uh, sentence of, uh, where was that, where he talked about um, the, the unity of all things. Uh, I think, and when, if I, if I see that, it was in our reading just now, but uh, I think that's what this brings me to, uh, to entertain, is once again our, the reality, that's forgiveness, is seeing what's real, and what's real is that we're one son, one mind, whole and complete. And when we separate, we attack, we defend, and we think that we need to get justice from somewhere, but no one loses in, in, because there's only one. I'm complete, thank you. Thanks, Reverend Rita. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Good morning, everyone. It's Lee. Um, he's got five paragraphs here that lead us in these five paragraphs away from the ego's distorted sight all the way to what is um, unusual in the Course in Miracles. He becomes so excited about his conclusion that he repeats it twice we can see and we can see if I remember that's the goal of this course is to guide me to a place where I'm able to see where that distorted lens he speaks of is removed from me then I can begin to approach a place where um, heaven and the way I understand heaven begins to accord really closely with the idea of this very life experienced without distortion. Where I can really see, where everything I think I see isn't authored by the meaninglessness that the ego has interposed between reality and my awareness. In that sense, a lot more of this paragraph, of this section becomes available to me if I don't wrestle in my mind with trying to nail down justice and injustice. If I just open to all that he's included in these five paragraphs, um, what a deliverance these five paragraphs represent. He explains to me exactly why the world doesn't look typically the way he describes it looking and feeling and and coming to me in wholeness he also tells me that the way the ego separates out and fragments everything is why I believe in death it's why I believe in meaninglessness it's why everything I see is meaningless that lens that the ego holds before the body's eyes so that the wholeness before me becomes artificially fragmented and separated, removes everything from its meaning. Its meaning inheres in its wholeness. And there's a, 
there's a part of paragraph three that is um, <clears throat> well that mentions the the lens and and um, it says here is the lens which held before the body's eyes distorts perception and brings witness of the distorted world back to the mind that made the lens and holds it very dear what part of that mind what part of my mind is that he's referring to it's my wrong mind home of the ego's thought system that has held this distorted lens so that what is is distant from me and unavailable to me and he says selectively and arbitrarily is every concept of the world built up in just this way then he tells me and this is a real key for me with that fragmentation that the ego's lens has imposed on the world now sins are perceived and they're justified by this very in other words the seeing of sin and separation is justified by this careful selectivity in which all thought of wholeness must be lost forgiveness has no place in such a scheme for not one quote sin but seems forever true but then in four he delivers me to something extraordinary that the salvation the course offers me this correction is the reinstatement of God's justice now I've invited something that restores to your awareness the wholeness of the fragments you perceive as broken off and separate there's a wholeness here that the ego won't let me see salvation the correction of my mind is the reinstatement of justice upon the world because it was the ego that had been the source of all injustice my ego and its perception it does no justice to the wholeness that I'm presented with then look what he tells me in the next sentence having restored to my awareness the wholeness of the fragments I perceive as broken off and separate it's this that overcomes the fear of death well, how can that be it's because separate fragments must decay and die if I'm looking at things separately all I see is their conclusion but wholeness if I could see and understand beneath everything the wholeness then I would be tagging into what's immortal wholeness is immortal it remains forever and forever like its creator being one with him am I believing and holding death in such high regard because the ego has fragmented my sight so much that I'm assigning special significance to the rising and the waning of elements when if my mind were featuring the wholeness the unity it would know beneath all that I see 
a unity that is immortal, a life expression that is itself immortal. Could I be a part of that instead of identifying so much with this body? I get that he's trying to lift me out of my separate identification with the body and introducing me to a part of my mind that so accords with this wholeness that I then become available to those sequence of recognitions of grandeur that he talks about um, in five. All the beauty and all the grandeur and all the, the wonder that would begin to be accorded life from the standpoint of the part of my mind that knows itself as a part of unity, a part of a grand and wonderful gift of this very life. It's I that have projected injustice, separation, fragmentation, and meaninglessness. And he's inviting me just in these five paragraphs to be on about the journey from fragmentation and meaninglessness to wholeness and the gates of heaven itself. The opportunity to have the experience before I leave of witnessing the grandeur of this life without the distortion that we associate with the ego and the injustice it projects upon the world. Thanks, guys, for letting me share. Merry Christmas, everyone. Wow. Merry Thanks, Lee. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you for the gift. What a gift you are. Thank you. Wow. What a gift you are. It's true. Merry Christmas. You know, Lee, so many, so many times, Lee, you say things that just speak straight to me. And when you said... I don't have to worry about nailing down justice and injustice. You just really blessed me. Um, but before I do my share, I wanted to share something with you. Reverend Rija, when you opened the call with your prayer, I was transported uh, back to New York when I first met you and we were sitting in that, in that little oh, restaurant. Right. And, and I was sitting here in my chair and this big smile just spontaneously formed on my face and I recalled through the beauty of your voice the beauty of you you are such a beautiful beautiful person and it, and it reflects in your voice and it shows on your face and uh, you brought me so much joy just by because of who you are and what a way to open the call for me. I thank you for your beauty and for channeling that. <laughs> oh, and uh, sure, for, for my share, I, I've been on this journey. I was with this financial company and really going nowhere. There's very, very little leadership in that office. Nobody was securities licensed and really a bunch of beautiful, good people, but they just really didn't know what they were doing. And I was sort of spinning my wheels. And one night I called up an old friend, Angelica Lopez, and was expressing my frustration. And she said, Rat, I want you to go see Jerry, this guy Jerry. And I did that. 
and my goodness, this guy's been in the business for 33 years. He's got every license out there. He, he, he earns almost $2 million a year. And he took me under his wing, and he explained a few things to me. And he said, the first thing we need to do is get you securities licensed. So I took this wonderful course with this funny, dynamic guy from Texas, and he, he helped me actually fall in love with the, with the beauty of the, of the securities industry. And I've been studying for this Series 6 exam, and it's like being in law school. I, mean, I almost feel like I'm learning a whole other language, <laughs> but, it's, but it's exciting, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, and then like four or five days ago, uh, some friends of mine at work told me that I needed to watch this three-and-a-half-hour documentary about the conspiracy of JFK and 9-11 and these dark forces that are actually running the world. And I fell into such a deep depression that I came this close to just throwing in everything and just saying, you know what? The whole stock market is, is run by these people and I'm just going to throw it all aside. I'm going to go back to my two hours of conference calls with my friends and just say, who cares about this world? Who cares about security, you know, financial security and all of that? I was this close to doing that. And then I, I went to one more class with these really good people and prayed and I woke up the next morning, and Lee, it was just like you said. I don't have to worry about pinning down what is justice and what is injustice. Yes, this world may be, I don't know that it is, but it may be being puppeteered by these demonic people or whatever, but it doesn't matter because that's all a part of the illusion of injustice. So I can go ahead and stay in the game, helping people, you know, loving people, supporting myself, my family, the people that I, that I, that I work with, and whatever happens doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because it's all an illusion anyway. And so I... I gave thanks and I, I fell back into my path and I realized um, that it's only going to be a couple of more months and I'll have my licenses, if I can even do this, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I think I'm going to be able to come back on the calls. It's just two to three hours a day of study on top of a full-time work schedule and, and the house and everything. So... I just wanted to thank you, Lee, because you have this way of just bubbling out these things that just really just speak directly to what I need to hear. And there's a little tear rolling down my left cheek. And uh, I thank you all for, for always being here. No matter what bumps I tend, I, I get myself involved in and confusion, I know that I can always just dial up this phone and, and this community of, of truth and beauty and solidity is right there to, to bring me back to what's real. So uh, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you, and I love you all. I'm complete. 
Thank There's you. There's so much love for you here, Rick. Yeah, Rick. Oh, Rick. Rick. I've so missed your voice. Yeah, <laughs> you can do it, Rick. I did it. Oh, yeah. Those hours of studying, but you are a light, and the securities world needs you. And that was when we spoke, I think last year, when you were embarking, I said, just mm-hmm. stay the course. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to be fine. Wow. The world needs you. Wow. You can do it, brother. You can do it. Thank you. So God. happy for you. Yeah. God bless you. You're a delight, wherever you go. You'll always be loved. Be a Christmas, friend. Thank you, friend. Wow. <sighs> Thank you, Red. Wow, I was impressed by your by your feelings that came out and uh, and how you were able to express that. I just want to say that the I guess the most you know the most fun part for me was that great you know at the end, and we can see you know, and the other two parts that felt really important to me that just told me something is the first um, sentence in paragraph four, salvation is God's justice, and then later in paragraph four, God's judgment is his justice. So he's equating God's judgment and salvation with justice. Of course, it's God's justice. Uh, ego doesn't really know. I guess it can't really see, or I don't know. Maybe ego does see it, and that's why it goes in the opposite direction. <laughs> anyway, thank you. I'm going to play. Thanks, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, Ida. We have another section to go through, so why don't we jump into the next section and. Rhett, title and paragraph one, please, 20. It has been said uh, that there is a, a kind of peace that is not of this world. How is it recognized? How is it found? And being found, how can it be retained? Let us consider each of these questions separately, for each reflects a different step along the way. Thank you, Rhett. And Josie, one and two, please. What is the peace of God? It has been, it has been said that there is a kind of peace that is not of this world. How is it recognized? How is it found? And being found, how can it be retained? Let us consider each of these questions separately, for each reflects a different step along the way. First, how can the peace of God be recognized? God's peace is recognized at first by just one thing. 
in every way, it is totally unlike all previous experiences. It calls to mind nothing that went before. It brings with it no past associations. It is a new thing entirely. There is a contrast, yes, between this thing and all the past. But strangely, it is not a contrast of true differences. The past just slips away and in its place is everlasting quiet. Only that. The contrast first perceived, perceived has merely gone. Quiet has reached to cover everything. Well, thank you, Josie. Paula, two and three, please. First, how can the peace of God be recognized? God's peace is recognized at first by just one thing. In every way, it is totally unlike all previous experiences. It calls to mind nothing that went before. It brings with it no past associations. It is a new thing entirely. There is a contrast, yes, between this thing and all the past. But strangely, it is not a contrast of true true differences. The past has just, just slips away and in its place is everlasting quiet. Only that. The contrast first perceived has merely gone. Quiet has reached to cover everything. Three. How is this quiet found? No one can fail to find it who but seeks out its conditions. God's peace can never come where anger is, for anger must deny that peace exists. Who sees anger as justified in any way or any circumstance proclaims that peace is meaningless and must believe that it cannot exist. In this condition, peace cannot be found. Therefore, forgiveness is the necessary condition for finding the peace of God. More than this, given forgiveness, there must be peace. For what except attack will lead to war? And what but peace is opposite to war? Here, the initial contrast stands out clear and apparent. Yet when peace is found... The war is meaningless, and it is conflict now, and it is conflict now that is perceived as non-existent and unreal. Thank you, Paula. Carl, three and four, please. How is this quiet found? No one can fail to find it but who seeks out its conditions. God's peace can never come where anger is, for anger must deny that peace exists. Who sees anger as justified in any way or any circumstance proclaims that peace is meaningless and must believe that it cannot exist. In this condition, peace cannot be found. 
Therefore, forgiveness is the necessary condition for finding the peace of God. More than this, given forgiveness, there must be peace. For what except attack will lead to war? And what but peace is opposite to war? Here the initial contrast stands out clear and apparent. Yet when peace is found, the war is meaningless, and it is conflict now that is perceived as non-existent and unreal. For how is the peace of God retained once it is found? Returning anger in whatever form will drop the heavy curtain once again, and the belief that peace cannot exist will certainly return. War is again accepted as the one reality. Now must you once again lay down your sword, although you may not recognize that you have picked it up again. But you will learn, as you remember even faintly now, what happens was yours without it, that you must have taken it again as your defense. Stop for a moment now and think of this. Is conflict, is conflict what you want? Or is God's peace the better choice? Which gives you more? A tranquil mind is not a little gift. Would you not rather live than choose to die? Thank you, Carl. Mary, um, four and five. How is the peace of God retained once it is found? Returning anger in whatever form will drop the heavy curtain once again, and the belief that peace cannot exist will certainly return. War is again accepted as the one reality. Now must you once again lay down your sword, although you may not recognize that you have picked it up again. But you will learn as you remember even faintly now what happiness was yours without it, that you must have taken it again as your defense. Stop for a moment now and think of this. A conf is conflict what you want? Or is God's peace the better choice? Which gives you more? A tranquil mind is not a little gift. Would you not rather would you not rather live than choose to die? Five. Living is joy, but death can only weep. You see in death escape from what you made, but this you do not see that you made death and it is but illusion of an end. Death cannot be escaped because it is not life in which the problem lies. Life has no opposite, for it is God. Life and death seem to be opposites because you have decided that death ends life. Forgive the world, and you will understand that everything which God created cannot have an end, and nothing 
he did not create is real. In this one sentence is our course explained. In this one sentence is our practicing given its one direction. And in this, the Holy Spirit's whole curriculum is specified exactly as it is. Thank you, Mary. Do we have a new reader, please, for five and six? I'll read. Thanks, Ida. Five. Living is joy, but death can only weep. You see in death escape from what you made, but this you do not see, that you made death, and it is but illusion of an end. Death cannot be escaped, because it is not life in which the problem lies. Life has no opposite, for it is God. Life and death seem to be opposites, because you have decided that death ends life. Forgive the world, and you will understand that everything which God created cannot have an end, and nothing he did not create is real. In this one sentence is our course explained. In this one sentence is our practicing given its one direction, and in this, the Holy Spirit's whole curriculum is specified exactly as it is. Six, what is a piece of God? No more than this. The simple understanding that his will is holy without opposite. There is no thought that contradicts his will, yet can be true. The contrast between his will and yours but seem to be reality. In truth, there is no conflict, because his will is yours. Now is the mighty will of God himself, his gift, to you. He does not seek to keep it for himself. Why would you seek to keep your tiny, frail imaginings apart from him? (laughs) The will of God is one, and all there is. This is your heritage. The universe beyond the sun and stars and all the thoughts of which you can conceive belong to you. God's peace is the condition for his will. Attain his peace, and you remember him. Thank you, Ida. And Reverend Rija, would you please read six and open up the floor? Yes. What is the peace of God? No more than this. The simple understanding that his will is wholly without opposite. There is no thought that contradicts his will yet can be true. The contrast between his will and yours but seem to be reality. In truth, there is no conflict because his will is yours. Now is the mighty will of God himself his gift to you. He does not seek to keep it for himself. Why would you seek to keep your tiny, frail imaginings apart from him? The will of God is one, and all there is. This is your heritage. The universe 
beyond the sun and stars and all the thoughts of which you can conceive belong to you. God's peace is the condition for His will. Attain His peace and you remember Him. So we pray. We come to that knowledge today. Those loving thoughts of God we open to the reality that our will is one with our Father's. We are not separate. We have not left our home. We're willing now to exchange what we thought was so for what is truly so. We open to knowing deeply that nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal exists. I have made dark dreams of my experience and have believed they were true. It is not so. I am willing today to let go of how I thought it was. It has not brought me peace. I'm willing to open to the truth. It is always there. It doesn't change. The truth is love. Love is changeless. He tells us if it changes, it was not love. I'm opening to love today. Love truly is the answer. It, it brings me one with my brother, with the Holy Spirit, with God, and ends the terror of separation and specialness. How simple to choose love in any and all situations. This I do today. I have faith. This is justice. This is the peace of God. This is salvation, to choose love. And it shows me that I am one with all of you. I am one with love. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you, Reverend. Reverend, joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is. <laughs> love you. Wow, I choose love and love chooses me. Whew. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Hi, this is Paula. I think I mentioned on after call, I don't recall, but I had and I hope someone others had watched and I was telling Paul they did a um, concert in celebration of John Lennon's 75th birthday and it brought me back to those days when we all gathered and were praying for peace and here we are and, and they was, they, the way they celebrated his life and he was a man of peace they celebrated his life in such a way and they spoke to him like he was never gone. They were saying, talking to him on, on the air like he was there, and he was there with them. And as we were reading this, that's all I kept imagining. Peace. 
And I remember how we came together at that point, and we should come together again for peace and love and joy. Not war, peace. Let there be peace. I'm complete. Beautiful, Paula. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Paula. Thank you, Paula. That was a beautiful show. This is Lee. The um, the inclusion of these two in one reading kind of helps with uh, understanding the transition from the end of what is justice right into what is the peace of God. After telling me that my life's journey is to travel through from the distance of warped perception to an awareness of wholeness, which could also be said to travel from the ego's thought system to a place where I could identify with the wholeness. Identify with the wholeness as what I am. In the last paragraph of the prior section, it said that when God's justice descends on the world to replace the warped perception I had taken up, this new perception accepts all evidence that is brought before it, omitting nothing and assessing nothing is separate and apart from all the rest. That's like a definition of what it would be for me to take in wholeness, for me to touch into unity. From this one standpoint does it judge and this alone. Here all attack and condemnation become meaningless and indefensible. Perception rests the mind is still and light returns again. Vision is now restored. This is with the welcome of wholeness. The welcome that my fragmented perception be healed. What had been lost, he says, has now been found. The peace of God descends on all the world. And we can see. And we can see. Then he rolls right into this section. What is the peace of God? Having said the peace of God descends on all the world, the natural question is, tell me more about this peace of God. Then he leads me to understand that this experience of wholeness, this identification with wholeness, is the descending upon my mind of full forgiveness for what I presently imagine everything to mean. All my judgments against others, against myself, against circumstance, there's a place in me that can sit in a degree of understanding that everything in wholeness is what God created. Everything in wholeness is what God gave me. 
Who among us can imagine that wholeness is not what God created? So whatever wholeness is, whatever unity is, as the antidote for my fragmented, distorted perception, that I can welcome as what God did create. If I can rest in the idea that God created wholeness and I'm distant from the heaven of that clarity only by merit of what the ego has persuaded me that I'm looking upon, then there's an invitation to, as rapidly as possible, invite that my thoughts be corrected, that I come to know this quality of forgiveness because with divine logic in the middle of paragraph three, he tells me, given forgiveness, there must be peace. Because, he says, this is divine reasoning. For what except attack will lead to war? What except unforgiveness will lead to conflict, in other words? And without conflict, what but peace is opposite. What but peace rushes in where conflict departs. Forgiveness is my avenue then to this peace that he wants to introduce me to. And what a paragraph, paragraph five. Living is joy, but death can only weep. How hard is it for me to accept that this life seen without fragmentation, resting in wholeness, is joy. And look what he tells me about the way I regard death. I see death as escape from what I made, but I don't see that I made death. It's but an illusion of an end. Death cannot be escaped because it's not life in which the problem lies. Am I willing to be brought to a place where I understand life was never the problem? That life is the gift and my distorted perception has always been the problem? Then life has no opposite, for it is God. Life is God. Life and death seem to be opposites because you have decided that death ends life. I've decided that the rising and falling of what I've imagined lives, decays, and dies is somehow more significant than the wholeness in which it arises. If I identify with the wholeness, I escape what death represents to me. If I identify with all God created, then I'm given that eternal quality that he says is so of wholeness. Forgive the world and you'll understand, he says, that everything which God created cannot have an end. Did he create wholeness? Is wholeness what is on the other side of the ego's distorted vision? Distorted sight? Everything which God created cannot have an end, and nothing he did not create is real. Where do I look for what he did not create? 
in everything the ego tells me is true. In the images the ego has projected outward for me so that I relate to a world wholly unreal that never existed, that is not what God created. I've substituted a mistaken representation of wholeness and I see only fragmentation. Beneath that is the wholeness he wants to bring me to. In this one sentence, as our Course explained, that merits for me a meditation into the sentence that preceded. Forgive the world and I'll understand everything which God created cannot have an end. And this one sentence is our practicing given its one direction. And in this, the Holy Spirit's whole curriculum is specified exactly as it is. This is a genuinely profound pair of sections and uh, a wonderful Christmas gift this morning. Thank you, guys. I'm complete. Wow, so clear. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for the gift. And uh, this is Rob. I want to point out something that's happening to me. Um, When we go over these paragraphs, and they're explained so beautifully by Lee, then quiet is the past. And if the past is quiet, since all of my judgments caused my sin, my, quote, sin, my, quote, sickness, and my belief in death. Now, how am I assured that when I am in the present, forgetting the past, that I'm going to proceed from a peaceful present with a quiet unaffecting past behind me and proceed into a future of vision and light. Well, for me, I look at, I look at my body because that's what I am. I'm sort of a body mechanic. And all of the things that I wanted to help my body out with that I knew I had to work harder than the way I'm working are starting to clear, and I'm not the one doing anything about it, except with my mind. You know, I joined this group about on my 77th birthday, and everything has started to reverse itself. I have more energy all the time. The imperfections on my skin, uh, I'm a redhead, and boy, do they show up as a redhead skin. They're disappearing. An affliction I had with my right foot is vanishing. And I'm not doing anything except joining the group, doing my lessons, sticking with my lessons during the day, 
asking the Holy Spirit to change my thoughts, and I have the evidence of Josie's feet. Josie needed her feet to get from place to place and do all the things that she's doing, and they were an impediment. And as I understand it from you all and Josie, that impediment has been erased. Expect all of your impediments to be erased. I see it happening. I see it happening for myself and in others. We are the fifth root race, and that doesn't have any meaning to us, but it's there. And this Course in Miracles is the application of mind that corrects everything from the past and gives us a beautiful present from which to see the future. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. That was great. Thank you. Wonderful share. Thank you, Rob. Great. Thank, Thank you, Rob. you, Rob. Wow. Thanks, Rob. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> it's true, it's true. God is with us. Emmanuel. I'm complete. Apparently, God is us. True. God, the Holy Spirit, and the Son of God, which we are, are one in reality. (laughs) I can say it and accept it on that level, but... Very likely, I've never experienced it in what I perceive as this lifetime. It's possible I have experienced it for, you know, a few, a few short seconds at, at times. I'm really not sure how to interpret the things that I have experienced. But, you know, I have hope for the future. I remember what Jesus said about... A universal theology is impossible in this world, but a universal experience is possible, and then it's also necessary. So that's really the experience I want to bring me the oneness so I feel the love for my brothers and sisters and God and the Holy Spirit and the whole enchilada. (laughs) You know, um, I want to... I am starting to want to feel the love for, quote-unquote, others. It's starting to counterbalance my desire for others to show me love. Because even if they're showing me love, if they feel they're showing me love, but I don't perceive it, then I don't perceive it. Then I'm not receiving love. If I don't feel the love within, it's it's just, uh, I have to match it, you know? I'm learning that gradually in my experience. That's very important to me and has been very important to me in my life. Only it's time for me to learn this now and I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Ida. Thank you, Ida. 
and uh, Reverend Rita, if you're here um, now or in the after call, I can give you the logistics of the ACIMOE class I'll be teaching. Thank oh, wonderful. Okay, great. It's Lee very quickly, maybe one of the best sentences, the richest in this whole reading today. It's the sentence that says, life has no opposite, for it is God. Life is God. And what I hear him describe as death in the Course has always translated for me to the denial of life. It's the ego's denial for me of the gift of this life. That's what he speaks of so often when he speaks of the ego's belief in death and its cherishing death. Its whole orientation is the denial that life is God. Thanks, I'm complete. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Well, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lee. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. What a beautiful call. Reverend Regia, would you like to take us out? Uh, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> the way out. <laughs> the way out is forgiveness. <laughs> okay. We'll uh, close our eyes and draw the awareness within as we end our time together today in communion. Which never ends. We're always in communion with one another and with our source. We entertain today the question in the Manual for Teachers of A Course in Miracles What is the peace of God? And the answer to that question I learned today. It was the answer to several questions How can the peace of God be recognized? And I ask myself, is there an everlasting quiet which covers everything and in which no thought of separation and contrast can intrude? There is the peace of God. How is the peace of God found? When I know that I am innocent, sinless, and guiltless, and that my will is the will of love which created me, then I have found forgiveness and there is pure joy. Such is the peace of God. And how is the peace of God retained? When I am vigilant for the kingdom of love and all its creations and let temptation go, there is the peace of God. If I choose separation and specialness, I will lose the peace of God. Now I must decide which do I want? I have heard it said, quote, may he rest in peace, unquote, when someone dies. Yet there is no death, and the peace of God is now. Quote, life has no opposite, for it is God, unquote. Knowing this is salvation, and it is God's justice. Quote, it restores to our 
awareness, the wholeness of the fragments you perceive as broken off and separate. And it is this that overcomes the fear of death. For separate fragments must decay and die, but wholeness is immortal. Unquote. Let me remember today. God's will for me is eternal joy, eternal life, eternal peace. Now and always, any thought which contradicts his will is not the truth. Quote, forgive the world and you will understand that everything which God created cannot have an end and nothing he did not create is real. In this one sentence is our course explained. Unquote. This is as I learned in the beginning of the course where I, I was told, quote, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God, unquote. So now I pray, Father, Mother, God, you are teaching me of the peace of God. And so today I am reminded of a prayer you have given me that I may reach the home I never left. Quote, the peace of God is everything I want. The peace of God is my one goal, the aim of all my living here, the end I seek, my purpose and my function and my life while I abide where I am not at home. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.